Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Jonathan G. It's my great privilege to be the vicar here, and if I can add my own welcome. And can we thank the choir again, Ruth and Stephen, the choir. That was magnificent. Thank you very much. That was the first performance of that new carol. I think I was there when it was written, round about the time we were celebrating the Annunciation, about nine months ago, I think. And it's great to hear it performed. Uh, I'm going to speak now, but before I do, uh, it's traditional to pray. The reason for that is not just that it's traditional, but we want to ask God to speak to us. Uh, there's a way of saying you agree to a prayer, that is, you say, Amen. But there's no known mechanism for bailing out halfway through a prayer if you find you don't agree. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pray, and then you can know whether you want to pray it with me. I'm going to pray that I'll preach well, and you'll know whether that's been answered in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. More importantly, I'm going to pray that God will speak to each one of us, and that we will be given grace to respond appropriately as he speaks to us. So let's just be still. Lord Jesus... For so many of us, this is such a familiar story. But we pray that you would come and speak to us. Help me to speak well. But far more than that, will you speak to each one of us here and give us grace to respond appropriately to what you say. And we ask it in your name. Amen. I want to pick up on that uh, message of the angels, good news to all people. That is all people. That means you, not just the person sitting next to you. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're old or young, black or white, male or female. It doesn't matter whether you're delighted by the election result or dejected by it or bewildered and somewhere in between. It doesn't matter whether looking back over the year you're rejoicing in the sporting triumphs, whether you were someone who chose to watch the Wimbledon final or the end of the World Cup, or whether it passed you by and you were oblivious entirely. Uh, this is good news for you. It doesn't matter whether you're pondering what's going on in the music industry, Stormzy highlighting Glastonbury, singing Blinded by Your Grace. Can your West become a Christian? You may have noticed that. You may not even know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. This is good news for you. It doesn't matter whether it's been the best day of your life or whether you had a flaming row in the car on the way here. That doesn't matter. This is good news for you. And it's good news for all people. And it will bring joy if we go with it. Let's just put those verses, the message of the angels, up again. The angel said to them, that's the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the shepherds would have known that the Messiah would be good news. There was a bit of an expectation around in those days that God's Messiah would come soon. Various people had come and gone claiming to be the Messiah, but not much had come of that. But they wanted the Messiah all right. They knew that when the Messiah came, he would restore the kingdom of Israel. The hated Roman occupiers would no doubt be cast out. The poor would be lifted up. The Messiah would sort things out. Uh, with him ruling over God's kingdom, you could have confidence that everything would be right. Can you just imagine for a moment what it would be to have a government that you knew was utterly trustworthy, was full of wisdom, so you knew that they would make the right decisions, 
You knew that they were people of justice and compassion and they filled you with confidence. That is the hope that Messiah would bring. Now, we would love that. I have to say that throughout the recent election campaign, that wasn't the mood that I got. Uh, there was a lot of suspicion. For many people, it was not who were they going to vote for, but who were they really not going to vote for. Uh, there was a loss of confidence. And I hope you'll join with me in praying that Boris Johnson is a much better prime minister than anybody expected. And that the voice of those who need the most help he would hear above the voices of the rich and powerful. We all want to see the NHS better funded. We all want to see social care vastly improved. We all want to see education well resourced. We all want to see the potholes filled. Uh, the trouble is that however brilliant the government is, and however well they do those things, they can't tackle the biggest problem of all. Because the biggest problem is inside our hearts and the government can't do anything about it. That is where greed comes from, selfishness, pride, anger, hatred, violence. And no government can deal with that. Uh, of course, healthcare is a blessing and the better it is, the better. Of course, education is a blessing. But as C.S. Lewis put it, if you take a devil and you educate him, you get a clever devil. It doesn't actually deal with the problem of our heart. And so God didn't send us a political saviour. He sent us a saviour who would deal with the root cause of our problems. Did you hear what the angel said to Joseph? Uh, Mary will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Our sin is the root cause of the problems in the world, our rebellion against God, our selfishness, our we know best and we're going to go our way rather than God's way. But we don't. Our nation over a generation or two has by and large turned its back on God. So it's no surprise to me that things have unraveled so much. God has made us to go his way. And if we decide to ignore him, then of course things will go wrong. If we decide to ignore him throughout our life and die that way, tragically, that's the way it stands for all eternity. Now, God loves us. The message of his love shines through the Christmas readings. And God wants you and me to be in relationship with him. And he wants us to look after his world his way. And that's why Jesus came. And the Christmas story marks the start of God's great rescue operation for our world. Jesus' very name means the Lord rescues, the Lord saves. When Jesus grew up and he started preaching, the heart of his message was this. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come within reach of every one of you. So repent and believe the good news. What did that mean? Well, the Jews of old had known there was this age and they looked forward to when Messiah would come and then the kingdom of God would usher in, there would be a, a new age. But as it turns out, there's a sort of two-stage fulfillment. Jesus came and the kingdom started growing small and slowly and steadily. And when he comes again, that his kingdom will fully come. 
His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a geographical kingdom like the United Kingdom or the European Kingdom. Or we hear quite a lot these days about the Scottish Kingdom. I think the Cornish would quite like a Cornish Kingdom, probably. Uh, there are all these geographical kingdoms. But the kingdom of God uh, is wherever God is king. So if you uh, bow the knee to Jesus as your king, you are part of his great kingdom. When we do bow the knee to Jesus as our Lord, the first thing God does is wash away our sin. And then he adopts us into his great family so that we can call Jesus' father our father. That's an amazing thing. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit and starts to transform us from the inside out. So slowly by slowly, bit by bit, day by day, week by week, we become more the people he's made us to be. We become part of his great solution of his kingdom of God that is growing all over the world. We have been declining in Europe in recent years, but all over the world it remains growing. And this kingdom will never end. Governments will come and go. But did you hear what the angel said to Mary about Jesus' kingdom? Uh, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom is one of justice and peace, of joy and of love. And in this world that we live in, his kingdom is growing. It's here, but it's not fully here. And so it's sort of intertwined with the kingdoms of this world that we're part of. But the good news of the angels, for you, whoever you are, not just the person next to you, is that you can be part of it, whoever you are. Hear the words of the angels again to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Whether you've been brought up in a Christian family or not, whether you know this old story or whether it's all very new to you, you can be part of his kingdom. I uh, grew up in a Christian family and I finally bowed the knee to Jesus as my Lord when I was 18. It was a fresh start at university and a wise older Christian said, why don't you, do you believe it's true? Yes, I do. I said, well, why don't you start to live like it then? And with that fresh start, I had been torn two ways. Outwardly, I was going to a good university and it looked like I had everything going for me. Inwardly, I was more unhappy and torn two ways. And I knew it was true, but I wasn't going for it. And slightly reluctantly, I knew he was right and I said, okay, I will. And I chose to live with Jesus as Lord and bowed my knee to him. Uh, that was 38 years ago. What blew me away in my first year as a student was that God filled me with joy. Uh, as C.S. Lewis had famously said years before, when he came to faith, he was surprised by joy. And that joy is the message of the angels for you, whoever you are, when you bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord. Now, I thought it would be good to hear from one of our church family. So if I can invite Sylvie to come and join me up here. Can you give her a big round of applause as she comes? <laughs> S 
Sil Sylvia is very brave. Sylvia joined this church family. Uh, well, I first met you, you were sitting over there just over a year ago, and uh, we've got to know you a bit more over the last year. Uh, you grew up uh, knowing uh, Christianity a bit, is that fair? Yes, I did. I, um, yeah, I grew up, um, I took myself to confirmation classes when I was a teenager, and uh, without any support from my family, I was confirmed. Um, yeah, and I grew up with faith, but over the years I sort of just, um, I don't know, really just drifted away slightly. So, so it was there in you as a child... But then you said when we first met you, life had been very difficult. Do you, do you mind telling a bit about what had, what had happened? Okay, so I lived in Devon with my daughter and my, uh, my grandchildren, um, who were twins, uh, two years old at the time. Um, we were very close. My daughter's my best friend. And, um, yeah, life was, life was really good. Um, and then one day, my daughter had been strange for a couple of weeks, behaving really sort of aggressively and... Um, just peculiar, really. Stayed in a room a lot, hid her phone, and did lots of strange things. Um, and my nephew had come to stay with us, and she said, when he leaves at one o'clock on the train, I'm taking the twins out for a walk. And um, at one o'clock, she went to go for a walk, and my ex-husband was with us, um, taking my nephew to the station, and he said, you go with her, because I don't think she should be on her own with the children. So I said, I'll get my coat. And she said, no, you're not coming. I don't want you to come with me. So she went off. And I never saw her again. And um, I, I waited for a couple of hours. And then I tried to phone her phone. But she just kept stopping my calls. Um, and I got worried because it was getting dark and cold. And she'd take no coats for the children or anything. So I phoned the police. And they phoned me back in about an hour and said that they'd made contact with my daughter. Um, but she was never coming back. And, um, yeah, my life fell to pieces as I know it, really. So what happened next? Um, well, it was a really hard day. I didn't know what to do. I was in pieces. I rang my local vicar eventually, and um, he had just christened the twins a few months earlier. And he came to see me, and he spent about three hours talking to me and telling me that it might blow over and... Anyway, I was you know, loved and everything and precious. And um, I said, I don't feel precious. I feel completely like I've done something really bad or really wrong. And why has this happened? Um, and he left and I felt sort of calm. But then as the evening wore on, I got more and more um, upset. I went to bed. I couldn't sleep. And in the early hours of the morning, um, I got up um, and I went into the nursery and looked at the empty cots and looked at all their toys and everything. And I just... Um, I just couldn't really face it. So I went back into my bedroom and I drank a bottle of morphine. So uh, that usually doesn't go well. What happened? Um, I ended up in hospital. Um, and um, I, yeah, I woke up and I was very, I was very angry that I woke up um, because I had, to, I had to face it again. I had to, that terrible pain, I just had to um, face it and I didn't want to. So, um, yeah, I was in hospital. I didn't really get any help or support at all. Um, um, I think the second night I was in hospital, I was in a small room with a window, and um, a trolley suddenly appeared at the window of my room, and there was a, a man on the trolley who had a heart attack, and his wife was with him, and um, they were both crying, and he said, I'm really sorry for the stress, and she said, I love you so much. And I just cried and said, um, please, Lord, just let them be together because they love each other. And there's nobody out there waiting for me when I go home. I have nothing. Take me. But he didn't. 
So what happened next? I came home from the hospital, went into the house, and I just screamed. I just screamed and screamed like an animal, really, in the kitchen. And didn't, I just didn't know what to do. And then I realised that my daughter had taken everything. She'd taken my life savings, she'd taken my passport, my birth certificate, and anything she wanted from the house. Um, and um, I just... I just thought I just can't I, can't, I didn't feel safe. I thought I, I felt the same as when I went into hospital. So I wanted to talk to my sister. She doesn't answer her phone, so I texted my nephew and he said, get on a train and come to us in Leamington. And I said, I can't, I'm not in a fit state. And he said, get on the train. So I grabbed a few clothes, got on the train, and they met me at Birmingham. Brought me to, Ken to Kennedy Square and I stayed there for eight months. I never went back home. So that was when we met you. That would have been about a year and a quarter ago or so. About 14 months ago, yeah. So uh, I remember meeting you one evening when you were here. What yeah. was it that brought you to church? I was just struggling so badly. I, I just wanted to go... Every night I went to bed, I wanted to die. It was just awful. The pain was just terrible physically. And um, I didn't see the point in me living at all. I didn't want to. And then one Sunday afternoon, I just um, felt a voice saying to me, go to church. Um, and I just said to my sister, I'm going to church. And I came round and I put a dark coat and a hat on and I sat right at the very back as far as I could in the corner so that nobody would notice me. Um, and you came past me and touched me on the shoulder and said, you're new, aren't you? You're very welcome. Um, and I just cried through the whole service and I went home. Nothing changed dramatically, but the next Sunday I came back again and I sat in the same place and again you walked past me and tapped me and you said... Oh, it's nice to see you again. Whatever you've done, whatever's happened, you're loved. And I sat there, and it didn't really have a dramatic effect, but now it does, because I think that was the beginning of being accepted. Um, and they said, would you like to stay behind for prayer afterwards in the side chapel? And I didn't know where the side chapel was. It seems quite obvious now, but <laughs> I didn't know. Um, so I went to leave the building, thought I'm not going up for prayer, and I couldn't physically leave the church. So I came back in and I thought, well, I'm going to have to go for prayer. So I've asked somebody and they pointed me up to the side chapel and Andrea um, and Sam were on prayer ministry and they prayed for me. Um, I was just in such a state and I went to leave and again, I couldn't leave the church, um, literally physically. And so I stood right over where the, where the welcome desk is now and um, somebody came up to me and said, sorry, would you like to um, chat and you're new? And I, I just couldn't talk because I was so upset. And they said, can you just wait there for one moment? Um, and they came back with Andrew and Adam. Um, and Adam said, I'll leave you with Andrew. And Andrew prayed with me and said, do you want to meet me for coffee tomorrow? And I said, no, I can't, because I'd been really agoraphobic before I came here for 15 years. I'd never been out of the house on my own. And I said, I can't do that. But I did do that. I was really, she knew I was really nervous and I was really sort of frightened and everything, but I did it. Um, and then life just has just, it hasn't been easy and it hasn't been straightforward but I'm now in an amazing was, place. That was 14 months ago, so you would say your faith has come alive slowly oh, and steadily? Yes, I mean quite, quite quickly I've, I felt a real, I felt like I had this little pilot light that had been lit in my in me and now it's I can only describe it as a roaring flame and I just thank God I've got a, I had no family except my sister and I now have a huge church family. I've got amazing friends. I've had so much support and I've been so blessed. So I've been talking about God dealing with the inner stuff. There was so much pain there inwardly. Mm. 
How are you doing with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I moved into my own home in June, and I've never lived on my own in my life. And um, some people from church came and blessed the house, and I don't live alone, because God lives with me in my house. And I just, I'm, I never feel fright, frightened, I never feel alone. I just feel totally blessed. Now, you said something extraordinary to me earlier today about looking back on what happened and how you feel now, mm. and how you'd compare those. If I had to go through, it was the worst time of my life. Um, and if I had to go through it again, I would to arrive where I am today. Because I am more complete than I've ever been in my life. I've got inner peace, I'm happy, and I feel loved. And that's probably the first time in my life I've ever felt really like that. So if there's someone here tonight who's sort of thinking, should I go with this or not, what would you say? I'd just say, don't even think twice about it. Because God just... He's always been there for me, but sometimes we just fail to realise he's actually there just waiting. And I was a broken, just a broken person, and now I'm completely whole again. And I'm giving back because I'm doing voluntary work and I've joined the prayer ministry. And thanks. Fantastic. Thanks Can we give Sylvie a huge round of applause? That was fantastic. Well, let me just pray for you as well. Enjoy. Let's just pause and, Lord Jesus, how we praise you that you met with Sylvia at that lowest point and are now walking with her and she knows you. Bless her, we pray, and deepen that walk with her. Uh, and we ask that each year from here on will be better than the one before as she walks with you. And we thank you for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, Sylvia. I think another round of applause. That was fantastic. Now, I said that God has good news for you. It doesn't matter whether you more identify with me. Uh, in Mysore, where I was a bright young boy heading off to university and it looked all good on the outside, but inwardly there was stuff. Or whether you identify more with Sylvie, where things had come to a terrible state, or somewhere in between or somewhere else. The good news is for you, not just the person next to you. It is a gift. We can't earn being part of God's kingdom. It is a gift. And Christmas is the start of this gift. Uh, that Jesus comes and said, I love you to be part of my family, my kingdom. Uh, this is within reach of any one of you if you choose to say, yes, there's forgiveness, there's peace, there's joy. There's no promise that life will be easy. Uh, we still face all the same things that everybody else faces. But Jesus promises an inner peace. Uh, I've used this illustration once before at a carol service, but I want to use it again. Uh, I have here in my pocket a 50-pound note. I don't have many of these. In fact, this is the only one I've got, and I haven't held one for a while, but I went to the post office yesterday, or a couple of days ago, and said, have you got any 50-pound notes? And they said, yes. I said, can I have one? And they said, well, you're going to pay for it. So I did. But this is quite a valuable thing. And the point is that you are valuable to God. You are made in God's image. Now, if I take this 50-pound note and screw it up and stamp on it a bit and sort of brush it under my armpit. Uh, so it's not really very pretty, but it's still just as valuable. It's still worth the same 50 pounds. And it doesn't matter what has happened to you in your life. You are as valuable as anybody else. This is the great, one of the great messages that Jesus came to bring. 
I read a remarkable book this year by Tom Holland, uh, the historian who's not a Christian, but said that Jesus and Christianity have brought the value that everybody is of equal worth to God, men and women, children, handicapped, whatever has happened, you are valuable to God. Uh, now, I'd like to give this to someone. I wonder if there's anybody who would like this. Just put up, not many, put up your hand. Put up your hand. I'd, I wonder if there's anybody who would like... I find often that it's the teenagers and young people put their hands up first. Actually, that's often how it works with the kingdom of God. They hear the good news of Jesus, they respond better than adults. Sometimes adults are just too proud. Uh, sometimes adults think we don't need it, and many of you don't need this. You have enough to get by, but some of you do. Uh, some adults might think, I wonder what the catch is. Uh, there is no catch. I'm just going to give this to you. It's, uh, and uh, and uh, it will be a complete gift and a blessing. It is a visual aid of the fact that it doesn't matter what has happened to you, you are valuable to God, whatever has happened. And it's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can have it, and you can use it to bless you and your family or those close to you. So uh, let me try again. Who would like this? There we are. Looking around. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm drawn to go over this side of the church. I wonder why. Who's over here? Who would like it this side of the church? I'm going to give it to Ros. God bless you. Happy Christmas. I really wish... There's somewhere between four and 500 people here tonight. I really wish I could give you all a 50-pound note, but that would cost somewhere between 20 and 25,000 pounds, and I, I don't have that kind of money spare. That's about what I'm paid each year. But God's resources are limitless, and he has the resources to give to you forgiveness and joy and peace and be welcomed into his kingdom. But he won't force you. You have the dignity of free will. When Jesus died for our sins on the cross at Easter and rose again, he paid the price that everybody can be part of his kingdom, but he won't force you. But that's a, another story. That is the Easter story. Uh, let me come into land. It may be that you are a Christian already. Many of you here are. Can I encourage you, as you head into 2020, to decide to live with Jesus as Lord fully? Not to compromise, but to live with his kingdom is a wonderful kingdom. Uh, and it will never end, and his values are the best. Uh, and maybe, on the other hand, there's some people here for whom this is all it, totally new. You're not quite sure even what you're doing here this evening or how you found yourself here. Can I encourage you to think this through? In 2020, find out more. Come back. Uh, the shepherds had to go to Bethlehem to find out. The wise men had to make quite a long journey. Uh, you will need to find out. Uh, if that's you, uh, you could give your contact details in at the welcome desk and we'll get back to you in 2020. Or you can take the notice sheet home. Our office email is there. Write, write to me uh, at our office email and we'll get back to you. But it may be there's one or two people here tonight who've been weighing this up for a long time. You've been thinking it through. You've been going round and round, a bit like Parliament did with Brexit for years. And in the words of our new Prime Minister, it's time to get this done. <laughs> There'll be one or two of you here tonight who are ready
to say, okay, Jesus, I bow the knee to you as my Lord. And in your own words, to say, please come in and wash me clean with, from all that's gone wrong from the past. Please fill me with your spirit and help me to know that you love me, just like Sylvie described that, and help me to live your way. Can we put up just the last verse of the Carolow Little Town of Bethlehem? I'm going to leave this up uh, while we light the candles in a moment, because you might like to take those words and make them your own prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. I've heard the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to me, abide with me our Lord Emmanuel. Uh, you can pray that in your own words, just as Sylvie prayed in her own words. God will hear you and take you on your journey. I'm going to ask that we keep quiet. The sidesmen are going to come and start lighting our candles. They'll light the ones at the end of every other row and we'll pass the candles, uh, pass the light around us until it fills the church and then we'll sing our last carol. Well, let's just reflect Am I going to choose to live with Jesus as Lord? Am I going to choose to sort this out next year? Or am I ready to pray, as I did when I was 18? Lord Jesus, I bow my knee to you as my Lord. Come in and fill my life and help me to go your way. just as the candlelight spreads around the church. This is how God works in your life, little by little, bit by bit. He doesn't change everything all at once, slowly, steadily. He's been working in me for many years, and as my family or staff would tell you, there's a long way still to go, but bit by bit, the light spreads. This is how his kingdom spreads around the world, as one by one, more people bow the knee to him as Lord and live with his joy and his love and his justice and his peace. And at Christmas we celebrate the good news that every one of us is within reach of that if we choose to say yes. I think all the candles are lit, so we're going to stand and sing our last carol. <laughs>